Today's scripture is John 17, 6 to 19. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am asking not on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. Welcome to Weston Park Baptist Church to our virtual service. Uh, we trust that uh, this week of sun uh, and brightness here, at least in Southern Ontario, is um, something that's well received and you're enjoying that. If you're from abroad, hopefully you're getting something like that where you are. Looking at the Upper Room Discourse, John 13 through 17, closing into the end of this series. Begin with a quote by J.S. Mill, a British philosopher from the 19th century. He writes, prose should be heard, but poetry should be overheard. Prose should be heard, but poetry should be overheard. And the point of that is we are listening to a prayer here in John 17. We began last week. And it's an intimate prayer and conversation, you can imagine, between Christ and Abba, his heavenly father, they are connected and Jesus is praying and we are overhearing this prayer. So it is a mystical prayer. So if you try to really analyze this line by line, the John 17 is tough to do that because I don't think it's meant to be analyzed that way. It's to be received. It's to be experienced. Last week, Jesus begins with this reference to God as Abba and the fact that he comes to impart life to all those who are open and, and receiving him. Uh, Christ's light, Christ's love to be open. So that's where it begins. And now Jesus carries on and he switches and speaks 
more in praise about us, his disciples. His disciples then, his disciples now, 2,000 years later. So he's praying for us, but it remains a mystical peace. And I think we need to try to receive it and experience it as much as understand it. So that's what we're going to try to do in a little bit as we go John 17, 6 through 19. Next week we will conclude the prayer. So it begins in verse 6, John 17, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. And so it begins with Jesus focusing on the name of God. I have made your name known. And of course we're reminded that in the Jewish culture and the cultures of the day, the name represented more than just a appellation, but it stood for the person, the character. So I have made your name known. Jesus is saying, I have made your person known as much as I can to these friends of mine, these disciples, that they might know your personality, that they might know um, your nature. So that's where he begins. I have made your name known. And then, as we saw last week, he continues to play on this verb to give. In fact, if you look at 6 to 11 carefully, seven different times the same verb to give, didomi, is used throughout this section. And so it's a play on that. So he says, you gave the disciples to me, and I have given them the word. So it just keeps going back and forth between the Father and the Son, you gave, I gave. I have given them the word. I have passed on to them the words of life and salvation. That is what Jesus is saying. He's getting at that point that the Father has given him these beautiful people, and he's so happy about that. Verse 7 and 8, they, he says they know these words. They receive these words, verse 8. They believe these words. You see, it's all responding. It's responding with both intellect, I understand, the disciples understand, but it's also the will. They have entered into that dynamic. They, they've chosen to receive and now they want to live out of that. So giving and receiving has to do with both intellect and will, with both trust and hearing, obedience. This holistic engagement, that is what Jesus is saying. That's where the disciples are at. They, they don't get it at all, for sure, we know that. But they're beginning to understand that Jesus is from the Father and he comes with this message of light and he has passed this light of love on to them. He's given it to them. And so really what, what, what it begins with is Jesus is thanking the Father for these friends. He's thanking the Father for these disciples, this group of people, this small group. Thank you, Lord, for these individuals. Three years of ministry, traveling all over Israel, many, many people coming, others are rejecting, a lot of tension and confusion and conflict over it all, but this group of people have become friends. And so Jesus thanks the Father for these friends. 
And I think that's a good point to sit on for a little bit because it means that Jesus thanks the Father for you and for me. If we are his friends, if we are his disciples, if we are those who hear and receive these words that he's giving, then he, he enters into this relationship with us and it is thankful for us. So you may think that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing special. I think that. I'm, I'm nothing special. Who am I? But we're told that the Son of God looks at us and sees us as beautiful people, individuals, and he thanks the Father for you and for me. That's where this story begins as he prays. Father, I thank you. Abba, I thank you for this small group. And imagine, 11 people, that's all we have right here. Jesus going to the cross, dying, being raised. The Holy Spirit comes. And this small group of 11 people move out into the world, and the, and the world changes because of this reality. So it's words of affirmation, confirmation, that these individuals indeed are my friends and I thank you for them. There's where Jesus begins in this middle section of John 17. He goes on, and we're looking at just certain verses here. Verse 11, and now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me. Hear the given again. So that they may be one as we are one. So protect them in the world. Here, John uses this word world, cosmos, in different ways. And, and fundamentally, God loves the world. So the world is not the geographical space, in a sense, it is that, but it's beyond that, it's humanity and, and all the creatures of the world. God loves the world, we've seen that, John 3:16. For God so loved the world. But in the Gospel of John, the world also stands for humanity's resistance to the movements of God upon his planet and amongst humankind. It's the interior resistance to God's expression of light and love. That is the sense of the world that Jesus is using here. The world resists. And so Jesus says, I'm not praying for that sense of the world, but I am praying for those who are my own. And I think we get that because all of us have this mix of, of good and evil. We, we all do. And we, and we all say, even if we are believers, that yes, I'm open to you and I want you to move in my life, but I also resist you at, at points. And we, we all do that. This mixture, this melange of good and evil, that's where we are. And Jesus is saying in light of that, Father, Holy Father, changes the name up there a bit, Holy Father, I pray that you will protect them in your name. He comes back to name in verse 11. We see that John 17, verse 11. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me. It goes back to the name idea. And so the beauty here is that Jesus is saying, Father, 
I am coming to you and I'm asking you now, you protect them. I have tried to protect them. I have kept them. But now I want you to protect them. And so in the first piece, we see that Jesus thanks the Father for his disciples. And now in the second middle bit, he says, Father, protect them. So he prays that the Father, Abba, will protect us. He will protect us so that we will continue to open our arms to him, open our hands, instead of living in clenched fists, open our hands, that we may say, yes, he wants the Father to protect us. And again, I think that's a beautiful image. He prays that the God, the God of all creation, the almighty God, might protect us, that we might remain open to him as we carry on in our journey. Because it's a tough journey. There's challenges. Jesus is about to go to the cross. In another place, Jesus says, take up your own cross. Follow me. So it's not an easy road. It's not a road that is just a breeze. It's a challenge. This interior path of transformation, spiritual transformation, not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed, Paul says, that's a challenge to do that. It takes intentionality, it takes discipline, and we need the Father's help, Jesus is saying. So here, Jesus is sounding a lot like the book of Hebrews, where Jesus is presented as the high priest who intercedes for his people. So we read, Chapter 4 of Hebrews 15, 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus understands your fragility, your brokenness. He's been there in, in real flesh to understand the toughness. But we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. No. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Challenges, difficulties, poor choices. Jesus says, go with boldness so that you'll receive mercy and find grace. So we as Jesus' people are people called to give mercy and to give grace because Jesus is one who does that. He prays for us that we'll receive that. We are meant to pass that along to others. That's this middle section of Jesus' prayer for his disciples here. We have a high priest who intercedes for us. We have one who's there for us. He's on our side. Remember years ago, I was doing an academic program. It was a doctoral program that I was engaged with. And at Bethel Seminary, they, it was quite a demanding piece. But it was interesting that in the middle of the program, you did these exams. And if you passed the exams, then you knew after that point that the school is committed to you, that you'll you'll finish. They're committed to you that you will succeed. Once up to that point, you're, you're like, man, it's up, up to you. But once you get to that point, if you get by, you know that we are on your side and we will help you with your thesis so that you will get by. We want you to know that. We're on your side. 
And I remember when I was in the program, it was nice to know that that, that that was there, that they were on my side, that they weren't out to fail me, they weren't out to, you know, make me stumble. Once you got there, they were there for you. And that's what Jesus is for you and for me. He is our priest who intercedes for you and for me. He asks the Father to protect us. So in all of our challenge, all of our ups and downs, we have someone who is there. Who, no, he's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's there for you, for me, to encourage you, to walk with you right now in whatever challenges you're going through in COVID-19. Jesus is with you. He's your high priest, which means he's your friend. He's your companion walking right with you. So Jesus thanks the Father for the disciples. He then prays to the Father that they might indeed be protected by the Father. And then we come to this closing unit in 17, 18, 19. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And then it finishes. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. Again, that's a lot of words. But the word sanctify is the word to make holy. It's the word to call. It's the word to separate us. It's, it's to say, hey, th this is my family here. And he says, I sanctified them in truth and by the word. And we know that Jesus is both the truth and the word. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We looked at that, John 14, 6. John 14, or John 1, 14 says that I have come, that the word was made flesh, and he came into the world. The word became flesh. That's Jesus. So Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the word, and he sanctifies us. He calls us. He separates us so that we walk hand in hand with him. So it's a religious word. It could be called the jargon word, but, word, but it's sanctify is to make holy. It's a, it's a biblical sense, both Old Testament and New Testament. So Jesus is the one who sanctifies us. Wow. With all of our failures, with all of our mess-ups, Jesus sanctifies us. He makes us whole. Burning sun, so great, it just blows away all the crap that we have, he sanctifies. And as a result of that, he sends us, verse 18. Jesus is the sender. We are the sent ones. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We are not to live in isolation, but be engaged in the world. We, we often face two temptations. And one is to flee from the world. I just want to cocoon up. I've, I've had enough of all this stuff out there. I'm just going to be in my little small circle and just cocoon, flee. Jesus says we're not invited to flee. We are to be in the world. And then the second piece, of course, is we compromise. We give in to make it just a little easier on ourselves. Jesus reminds us that, hey, I've come into the world, I've done my job, and now I'm inviting you to do your job. And you can do it. Why? Because we belong to him. Third point, we belong to Jesus. 
We are not only his friends, protected by the Father, but we belong to Christ. And with that, we have a purpose, we have a goal, we have a direction, not to live aimlessly, but we are sent ones, sent ones. Last week, I, we had a quote by um, an academic who writes that our true vocation in, in, a, in a deeper way is actually shown and we make more of an influence in our volunteer time and in our choices apart from our employment. That the real pathways of our life often come from this other area of who we are. Not just how I make a buck, but the choices I make and how I influence others. That's what Jesus is talking about when he calls us his sent ones. He is the sender, we are the sent one. And then it ends here in verse 19, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, so they also may be sanctified in truth. Sanctify myself is Jesus' language for the cross, is Jesus' language for his death, for his resurrection, for his ascension, for the Holy Spirit. It stands for the whole Jesus project. That Jesus comes into this dynamic with us to transform us that we might have this interior transformation that's expressed in our exterior life and it ends up living lives of love and light and making the world a better place. That's the Jesus project. And Jesus says, I have done this for you and I've done this for the world. So will we say yes? Will we respond? Will we open up? So we see as we look at this unit that we're invited to know God's name because Jesus has revealed it. We are protected by Abba and then we are sent by the sender as the sent one. So I like Evelyn Underhill's book. By the way, she has a book called Mysticism which is her attempt to explain the whole journey of the interior person how to move in various levels of integration. It's a wonderful writer and thinker in terms of the Christian faith. But she says here, the church is in the world to save the world. It is a tool of God for that purpose, not a comfortable religious club established in fine historical premises like this church building. Every one of its members is required in one way or another to cooperate with the spirit in working for that great end. So we're all invited. We're all sent once. In all of our time, in all of our choices, those pathways that lead to life. So Underhill says we're all invited to do that. Every person in the body of Christ around the world following Jesus in his footsteps revealing light and love to others. That's our great purpose. We often mess up. But Jesus is there as our friend, our high priest, to help us, to encourage us to be with you right now, wherever you are, whatever apartment, bachelor apartment, a little apartment, on your own, Jesus is with you as your companion and friend, your high priest, to help you be his light and love to all those you come into contact with. May we hear 
This prayer of Jesus for his disciples, that's for us. And I offer you these words this morning in Jesus' name. 